of the church have become obsessed and quite frankly I think just a little bit manic in its frantic search to get people to come back to church every week truth is I really have stopped caring anymore I think that we are going to waste endless hours of our life that we will never get back worrying Instead, I think we need to stop wringing our collective hands and instead figure out why we're here and then get about it. I submit to you that we are and will continue to grow because we are getting more and more clear about why we come and form community. And it's simply this, God's love, mercy and grace are here in all of us not because of a beautiful building though i say that is quite a bit of a perk the church is you all and god's grace and mercy and forgiveness live in your hearts and in my heart waiting to be recognized and nourished every week so welcome to a morning of what I call countercultural activities. And thank you for making the decision to be here. You might be here for yourself, but really, I would say more importantly, you're here maybe to get just a little bit beyond yourself and hopefully to connect and experience the greater whole that we create when we come together. 
Now, for those of you like me who are foolish enough to be here week after week, and thank you for that, you know that our Episcopal liturgy is shaped by a planned set of scripture readings put together for us in something called a lectionary. Each week, according to the church season, we hear pre-chosen readings, some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament. We chant or sing a psalm like we just did, and then we hear a reading from one of the four Gospels. And only on very rare occasions does the priest make the decision to diverge from that liturgical, liturgical prowess and instead go to a different set of readings. I have exercised that prerogative today because today is a special occasion. Today we have usurped the scheduled readings and instead we have chosen a collection of readings from our prayer book called Propers for the Mission of the Church. We have done this to remind ourselves that coming home today is only half of what we are celebrating. The other half is about being sent out from this place. In short, I'd like to say that today is about remembering that we are people of the altar and the exit. Everyone just turn around. You see it? After we're done with all these shenanigans today, that's your next call. Go to that exit sign. We are people of the altar because it draws us together to be fed and forgiven, connected and renewed, remembering that, yes, we all are a hot mess of blessings and burdens, brokenness on any given day. And we are blessed, reminded and infused with God's love, and then sent out to be messengers and vessels of that love and forgiveness. And then we are people of the exit sign, because over every doorway is a shining talisman drawing us together. If even just once in the next week you're in a building that has an exit sign, let that be a reminder. That is your call. That is your vocation. Clearly claim who you are as a vessel of love, and then head towards that exit sign and share that love. Because you see, the mission of the church is not about building a bigger church, but a better world. It's about living in the world, believing that justice and freedom, hope and kindness can and will temper the hatred, the division, and the fractured nature of the world that we live in today. Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor says this when asked what it means to say yes to being church. She writes, when you or I identify ourselves as members of the church, we get credit for all kinds of things that we did not do. We may also get blamed for many of the things that we did not do. But the point is, the church is more than its individual members. We have a community mandate and an identity. We stand for something. We stand for something which it behooves us to recall from time to time. And here's my favorite part of what she has written. 
Do we as the body resemble Christ? Or have we taken on the characteristics of someone else? Are we true to Jesus, our head? Or have we been giving him a royal headache by yanking away and refusing to belong to him?" Unquote. So as we welcome each other home today for this homecoming Sunday, I hope that in addition to enjoying our time and strengthening our bonds, we can also boldly reclaim and remember our community mandate and identity. Our gospel lesson from Luke is often titled the commissioning or sending forth of the 70 or 72, depending on what translation you read. It's read a whole bunch. If you've gone to ordinations or commissions or ministry gatherings or retreats, other times when we want to underscore as the church the theme of mission and being called out into the world to continue God's work of reconciliation. Agricultural themes are used metaphorically to suggest there is a lot to do and not enough time to do it and not a lot of helpers to do it, so we better get busy. Truth be told, I personally end up feeling tired and even a bit bit up after those kinds of sermons. A sense that it is all up to us and that it's our job not to fail. A kind of onward Christian soldiers, the few, the proud, the brave, get on out there, which has never inspired me much. In fact, when I hear this passage this morning, I think nothing could be further from the truth. What I hear is Jesus saying to us, of course you will fail. That's life. Whenever we are brave enough to show up, to really show up, we will for sure, as Brene Brown reminds us, get our butts kicked. But that's real. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't show up. Life is hard, as beautiful as it is as well. And what Jesus is telling us for me, is that we don't do it alone. Take a friend, hold hands, go together. Instead, we are being called to be courageous and connected, willing to graft a part of our hearts one to another so that we can go two by two and make healthy decisions along the way. Left to our own devices is how we seem to have gotten into most of the messes that we are in right now in the first place. And there are so many to choose from. Climate change, gun violence, international disputes, pharmaceutical lawsuits and the opioid crisis, lack of affordable housing, inequality and in educational opportunities, police brutality, gender, sexuality, race, class, economic discrimination, and marginalization. All of these are messes of our own making. On our own, driven by our egos, and a lack of humility and healthy boundaries, and without meaningful community and support, failure and isolation are all but guaranteed. So when I hear this passage from Luke, 
I do not hear the mandate to go out and over-function spiritually on our own. No, what I hear is a holy kick in the pants and a promise. A promise that we don't have to go alone on the journey. And that we are better together, always. Unfortunately, our lectionary doesn't let us finish the reading of the rest of the story this morning. Don't worry, your priest is going to tell you how it ends. If we were to read on, we would see that the 70 or the 72 are sent out, and then they come on back. They come on back to Jesus after their adventures, and they're kind of spiritually pumped up and maybe overstimulated by their apparent success. We did it, they tell him. Woohoo! You sent us out two by two to heal the sick and preach the nearness of the kingdom, and it worked. Yay, us. What do you think Jesus says to them? Something like what my wife often does like this. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure what's going on in his head, but then he says this. Perhaps not being quite as enamored of their success as they were of themselves, he says this. Yes, my brother. Yeah, you did it. But let's not rejoice in what you think your accomplishments were. How about instead, you give it up and you show some respect for the one who loved you first, whose will it is that you go and do, who alone sustains and provides for your every need. That is what we call the teachable moment. And that's the moment that I know I overlook all the time. And that is what I think homecoming is really all about. Taking time to come home to be together and to remember who and whose we are, what it means when we say we are the body of Christ. Our mandate, our mission, has stayed the same all these centuries later. It is to listen and to go, to love, to return and give thanks. Who we are going forward as a community of faith will depend completely on how brave and willing we are to recall and claim this as our spiritual mandate. Will we be brave enough to challenge misconceptions and ways in which our Christian tradition has excluded and hurt so many for so many years? Will we be both patient enough to make time to learn the stories and traditions of our faith and also allow them to shape us into faithful disciples? And will we be selfless enough to put ourselves in places of discomfort for the sake of making room for someone else who has never been invited to the table? Will we work together to pattern our common life after this gospel mandate? Author Anne Lamott, in her wonderful book, Plan B, Further Thoughts on Faith, explains why she needs us to be the church today, the body of Christ. And when asked why she still made her, at the time, teenage son, Sam, go to church at least every two weeks, here is what she said. I want Sam to go to church with me. We live in bewildering, drastic times, 
and a little spiritual guidance never killed anyone. I want Sam to see the people who loved me when I felt most unlovable. I want him to see their beautiful faces. Kids who do not go to church are, of, of course, adored by God as well. But here's the thing. Those kids don't get to meet some of the people who are learning to love God back. Learning to love back is the hardest part of being alive. I believe Trinity is that kind of a place, a place full of people who are learning to love God back. My beloved friends of Trinity, the world needs us to be the church, to be the body of Christ, exercising our baptismal ministry together with humility and clarity and compassion, never forgetting that in the end, it is not the laborers of the field that take glory in the harvest. So let's go, two by two, seeking out the places in God's vineyard that are in need of our hands and our hearts. As we tend to the harvest, may we let ourselves fall in love with the energy, the witness, the stories of Jesus again and again, shaping our lives with self-care and grace. And then, and then, as often as you will allow yourselves to come back, come back with us week after week to eat and worship and praise God, not rejoicing that the spirits submit to us, but rejoicing that our names, humbly, each one of our names, with all of those things that we are, broken and blessed, will be by God written in the stars. May you never forget you are loved. May it be so.